For over 100 years, millions of Canadians have proudly served our country in uniform. All of us benefit from their incredible service and sacrifice. It is our duty to honor and remember them. They have served in many roles, both at home and abroad, from peacekeeping missions around the world to Canada's mission in Afghanistan. They have fought for freedom, helped restore peace and security, and responded to emergencies. They proudly served, and their bravery will never be forgotten. They are our faces of freedom. In June 1993, the United Nations Security Council imposed an oil and arms embargo against Haiti in an effort to force their military dictatorship to allow its elected president, Jean-Bertrand Aristide, to return to power. After they finally relented, a UN force then landed in Haiti to enforce the deal to allow Aristide to resume his position and help rebuild the impoverished nation. Without any military service history in his family, Chief Warrant Officer Dominique Geoffroy accompanied one of his friends to a recruiting center in Sherbrooke, Quebec, just after finishing high school. Three months later, he joined the Canadian Armed Forces and went on to serve on deployments around the world, including a UN mission to Haiti in 1997. To put it into uh, the perspective of Haiti, uh, so in 1996, I was asked to be posted with the Vendus in Quebec. Uh, they stood up a new unit over there. Uh, and uh, so a very operational unit. So, of course, I asked to go. And uh, I was just back from, from my second tour in Bosnia. And uh, so as soon as I got there, we did a bit of training. And then they started to talk, to talk about Haiti. Um, I think I was the second deployment, the second uh, team to go over there. So uh, the artillery, I think, was there before us. So we started to talk about Haiti a, a few months before we left. And they wanted volunteers to go. So, of course, I put my name up and, uh, and I wanted to go see because it was it's it's uh, it's not that far from us. So we hear we know uh, I have friends when I was at school, my parents uh, had friends from Haiti. Uh, so it was very different than going to Bosnia, for example, where I didn't know anything about Bosnia. And I, I certainly didn't know anyone from Bosnia before. As of that, that deployment in Haiti, I knew people from there. So we didn't know what to expect in, in Haiti because it was, uh, it was not a country at war, but it was very close to a civilian war. So uh, UN mission, it's more a security mission. It's a presence uh, that you want to have over there. So we have patrols going all over the the, the, the city of uh, Pablo Prince, which is a big city. We, we have to protect the president, uh, but it was a security mission. It was a UN, again, a UN presence in town uh, to make sure that uh, they were not going into a civilian uh, war. I was a young master corporal back then, so uh, my perspective of the mission was totally different than it would be today as a senior chief. Uh, back then, as a master corporal, my my main job was to do what I was told to do. And, uh, you know, you're, you, you, you have your mission and you execute your mission. When Geoffroy deployed to Haiti, he had to prepare himself for one of the most important parts of any deployment, 
adapting to his new surroundings. So I, I still remember when I got when I got in Haiti, and and uh, in '97. So first uh, end of the winter over here in the country in Canada, uh, in Quebec, Valcartier, where the winter is very cold, and we have a lot of snow. Uh, so April, uh, we were getting to the beginning of the spring. And uh, and then I remember, even though it's been 20, almost 25 years, I still remember when I I left the plane. So we landed in, in Port-au-Prince in Haiti. And uh, you get out of the plane and, and you feel that, that heat coming into you. And the smell was very different than the smell that we used to have here in Quebec as well, in Canada. Uh, so so it, it was a, a stressful experience for sure, because then you get there and, and it's like if you go through a wall of, of heat and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing over here? What am I going to do? And, and then you're, the country is totally different than what you used to. So uh, it was quite an experience. Uh, and I still remember that, that, that feeling like if it was yesterday. So I was a medic. Uh, <clears throat> my job over there was to, the first uh, little while, was to take care of the pharmacy uh, and the, uh, the, the equipment, the medical equipment. Before you do any uh, handover, you need to adapt. You need to adapt to the country. You need to adapt to the weather. You need to adapt to uh, the culture. Uh, you need to adapt to the people. Uh, so, so that's the first thing. You need to adapt to your new, uh, your new uh, environment. Where are you going to sleep? Where are you going to eat? Where do you go to the bathroom? Where do you go for a shower? Uh, where, where and when can you call your family? Uh, do you have internet? So, so my role again was to, to work at the medical clinic uh, on the camp. Uh, I was a, a, an armored vehicle driver as well. So we have to drive around. We need to do uh, recce's of, uh, of hospitals and uh, and uh, the other countries supporting us on the medical side. So there's two aspects. You get the garrison care. So we're there as a clinic to do the, the, the garrison care, the normal medical care for our people on camp. But, but you also have to be ready for any emergency. Uh, so we had uh, helicopters ready to go. We had ambulances. Uh, ready to go and you need to know where to go if, if you get a call because we have patrols going all over the city in, in Port-au-Prince it could be very hostile uh, and at the same time people could be very friendly as well so you need to navigate in, in, in that town in that city and, and more importantly where to go if you have an emergency but on a daily basis, uh, when there's no emergency, it's just a normal clinic on camp and you're taking care of people. We were leaving the camp on a daily basis. Again, uh, Port-au-Prince, it, 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 some, some places in Port-au-Prince were very beautiful, like a uh, uh, nice, very nice place, like uh, uh, five-star resorts and uh, it, it was beautiful. Uh, other places of Port-au-Prince were maybe not as beautiful or poor. You could not go in town and uh, have your uh, arm uh, hanging out of the car with your watch on your wrist because your watch would be gone right away. 
so so again, people were fighting for not fighting against each other, but uh, to to get whatever they needed to 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 have to to be able to put food on the table. Port-au-Prince was is the main city over there. Of course, we went out in the small villages uh, outside of Port-au-Prince. Uh, sometimes we went there by 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 vehicles. Sometimes we flew with uh, helicopters to go to other part of the country. Uh, but the base the base camp was in Port-au-Prince. So most of the tour uh, for me was at Port-au-Prince. But but every week or uh, every other weeks anyway, uh, we were flying out to other countries or driving over uh, to villages as well as a medical team just to to sometimes just to provide care to the local population, especially in the small villages. Uh, so we used to go over there and uh, just just to uh, sometimes just to put some dressings on 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 wounds or just to just to talk to the kids and. Uh, do some uh, dental treatment, medical treatment, but nothing, nothing big, but the basic stuff. So what they needed us to do anyway, but to do medical assistance to the local population, we had special uh, trucks, uh, medical trucks that we used. So that's a truck that's got a sick bay attached to it. And uh, so we could go out with a kind of a sick bay and then provide care to, uh, to more people at once if you want to. It was well received by the local population. It was good to do. Members of the UN mission worked tirelessly to improve conditions in the Caribbean country. While providing medical care to the Haitian people was a priority, they also helped rebuild critical infrastructure. Many, like uh, building schools, uh, helping uh, uh, with water, for example. Uh, sometimes we got, we got even stuff from, from, from Canada kids so we just went out to give uh, it could be uh, balls and and, and clothes clothing uh, anything that we received from Canada that we could we could give over uh, we we would go out and and give it to who needed them so you're starting looking at going back home actually before the end of the six months here. <laughs> After two months, the, the most difficult part of the mission is two months in, in the mission. The first two months, it's always easy because it's new. Uh, you, you get to do to see new stuff. You, you get to know the population. You get to know the culture. And then the, the second and the third, fourth month, uh, you're starting missing home. Uh, you, you don't call as often as it, well, we have no internet like we, we used to have now. So it was like two phone calls a week for 20 minutes, a, a phone call. So after three to four months, you're starting missing home. And then on the fifth and the sixth months, now you're counting down to go home. So it's not as bad, but the third and the fourth month, they're always the most difficult. It was my third missions, as I said before, uh, and I learned a lot from there. The mission that I, I enjoyed the most I came back from Haiti and I, I was feeling good because uh, you, you feel like you help people over there. Uh, so uh, overall, uh, out of my many missions, uh, I think it was the, the, the most rewarding mission that I had in my career.
And with that, I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Faces of Freedom podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing through your favorite podcasting app. You can also check out episodes from previous seasons covering a wide variety of stories from generations of Canadians. If you have a suggestion for a guest or story, reach us at Canada Remembers on Facebook and Instagram and at Veterans Affairs Canada on Twitter. Use the hashtag Canada Remembers to tell us what you think. If you're looking to dig even further into the stories of Canadian veterans, we have a wide selection online at veterans.gc.ca. Thanks for joining. Until next time.